Advent, the 8th of December. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Perhaps one of the most famous prophecies relating to Christmas is Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah is outlining to an unprepared and distracted people that a catastrophe is coming. To a people drunk on empty hypocritical religious ritual and the fruits of injustice, living only for today without any thoughts of the future or those who they oppress by their very way of life, he warns that a great empire stands at their door, waiting to devour them and ravage their lands. Desperately, Isaiah attempts to rouse his people from their lethargic stupor, warning them of the coming apocalypse, acting as a harbinger of destruction. Sometimes, after a storm, people say there was no warning. But there was a warning, and no one was listening. However, hot on the heels of his dire warnings, Isaiah also breathes hope. And it is the greatest hope of all. He proclaims that the coming darkness will not win. That time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Isaiah 9.1 He then promises something even more remarkable. That the land of Galilee in the north, a land associated with foreign peoples, would soon blaze with heavenly light. Isaiah foreshadows a time when God's promise would be opened up to all of humanity, not just those he had called through Abraham. A time was coming when the promise made thousands of years before that Abraham's descendant would bless all of humanity would finally, finally come to pass. There will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. There will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Isaiah 9, 1-7 For countless millennia since the genesis of humanity, Humanity had been separated from God and stumbling in the darkness. The darkness of injustice, of rebellion and loss. Isaiah poured hope like a healing balm on those who would read his words through the coming generations. A light was coming. A light for those who stumbled in the darkness, overwhelmed by their own mistakes, flaws and brokenness. A light for those crushed under injustice, voiceless and oppressed, with no one speaking out or standing in the gap on their behalf. A light for those devastated by loss and tragedy, who walked through the very valley of the shadow of death. On all of these, 
a light would shine. A promised child was coming. Isaiah proceeds to speak of the identity of this child, calling him a wonderful counsellor. He also remarkably refers to him as everlasting father and mighty God. Isaiah attempts to communicate with fragile words the glorious and indescribable wonders he has glimpsed, that this child would be God himself. Beautiful words, and a promise above all others. God himself would dwell among humanity. Emmanuel was coming. God with us. Another of the titles Isaiah gives this coming Messiah is Prince of Peace. He who brings shalom or wholeness. Isaiah speaks of how he would bring healing to the broken and shattered hearts of humanity, restoring the relationship between God and humanity. The spiritual implications are clear. He is the Prince of Peace, and it is only in him that our lost and broken souls, which search for fulfilment in all the wrong places, can find shalom and rest. He invites us to surrender and to leave our heavy burdens at his feet. He brings healing, and in following him and trusting him through all the storms of this life, this Prince of Peace will mend our broken souls and one day lead us home, where we will find eternal peace. Will we try to bring order to our own lives, or will we surrender to this wonderful counsellor, this mighty God, this everlasting Father, this Prince of Peace? But to ingest these words only at the spiritual level robs Isaiah's words of some of their potency. Isaiah also describes the coming one bringing material peace, with blood-stained uniforms being burnt, in a visual description of what the kingdom he brings in his wake stands for. To an audience that expected the coming Messiah to bear a sword of retribution against their foreign enemies, these words seem surprising. A prince of peace? Many would have preferred a prince of military power. Six centuries after Isaiah spoke, Galilee was indeed filled with light, as a young man began to speak beautiful and powerful words of justice, of love, of forgiveness, and of mercy. He healed others, and spent time with those society rejected and would not touch. And he did not come brandishing a sword as so many expected. Instead he spoke unthinkable things. He spoke of loving your enemy and praying for those who treated you with cruelty. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. He proclaimed that peacemakers would be blessed. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. He exhorted his followers to turn the other cheek and never to take revenge. Luke chapter 6, verse 29. And when faced with the horrors of unjust violence brutally inflicted in himself, he warned his followers not to respond with violence, insisting that those who use the sword die by the sword. Matthew chapter 26, verse 52. Indeed, these radical words morphed into action even in the face of horrific and appalling pain, as he prayed for those murdering him forgiving the very ones hammering nails through his bloody wrists and feet. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Luke twenty three thirty four. 
Part of Isaiah's words of the coming peace are still to come to pass as we wait desperate for his return and the fulfillment of Isaiah's promise, just as Isaiah's original audience once did. We wait for a time when we will see true peace on earth, when those who inflict unimaginable pain on others will be brought low and the lowly comforted. In the here and now, we know that there are some wars that must be fought against cruel despots who would crush the innocents in their greed. And we wait expectantly for the answers to our cries for justice and for his return to bring eternal peace. But part of the Messiah's words that Isaiah predicted serve as an uncomfortable prophetic word to our culture today which can justify supplying weapons to cruel leaders who use them against their own people, as it is just business and profit for our economy. We can glorify war and see it as the answer to all of our problems. Isaiah's words serve as a challenge to a culture which can reduce the loss of innocence to bald numbers on a spreadsheet, chalked up to acceptable losses and collateral damage, sanitised words to mask the horrific reality. A challenge to a culture which lauds the powerful and braggarts, but ignores the oppressed victims. He truly acted as a prince of peace. His words are as radical now as they were then, calling his followers to live in a way that defies comprehension, loving and forgiving their enemies, turning the other cheek, and striving for peace and forgiveness, even when the temptation for retribution and revenge threatens to dominate their hearts. Opening the door to the stranger, the enemy, the foreigner, the other, even if it costs them everything. And in some ways, his message is as unwelcome to many today as it was then. Christmas brought the Wonderful Counselor. Christmas brought the Mighty God and Everlasting Father. Christmas brought the Prince of Peace. Christmas brought the Child, bearing the light for all of those who stumbled in the darkness. Two thousand years later, that light still shines as brightly for those who choose to step out of the darkness and into the peace and shalom it offers. But his words are still challenging, calling us to sing a radically different tune to the one our world dances to. His call is not easy. Being woken from a deep slumber by a light blazing forth through the darkness is rarely comfortable.